It is always sad to see a newbie come into the space looking forward to a much anticipated mint, only to realize that they cannot withdraw their funds from an exchange because they just made the deposit. In all the excitement, they never factored in that there would be a hold on new funds. However, even the most experienced NFT minters can have a bad mint day. Today, we're going to discuss how to prevent staking crypto from ruining your mint day. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Centralized exchanges such as Binance, Coinbase, Kraken, KuCoin, and there's so many others, usually have a hold on all new funds that are deposited to the account. ACH deposits, meaning straight from a checking account, are usually the cheapest way to go from fiat into crypto. However, a hold definitely makes sense here because a lot of the times those funds are credited as soon as that deposit is made on the website. However, the traditional banking system is extremely slow, so it literally takes days for those funds to actually be transferred to the exchange. So I can totally understand why there would be a hold on those funds for the simple fact that someone can get those funds today, withdraw them, and it's not until another three or four days that the exchange actually finds out that those funds are not there, insufficient funds in that checking account, and they're out of all that crypto. That's sort of like bouncing a check. And I know most people listening to this probably have no idea what it means to bounce a check or even write a check, but trust me, if you're under 30 years old, that people (laughs) used to write checks even in grocery stores. And what a lot of people used to do is make their purchase, not have those funds in there, and that company that gave them the goods or services would not even know until well after the fact. Now, debit cards are a little bit more sure because those are instance transactions, also wire transfers. There's usually a lot of higher fees, and there might be even charges from both ends, the bank side and the exchange side, depending which exchange you're using. But despite the fact that we can literally see if a transaction can go through pretty much instantly with these methods, there's still a hold. Now, with debit and credit card, some exchanges partner with various processors such as Banksa or Wire, and those allow instant withdrawals. However, of course, there is a premium. You're going to pay a percentage of those funds in order to have this convenience. But generally speaking, holes are going to range from three days to about 14 days. I've seen some exchanges in extreme situations have as much as 21 days, depending on which country you're in. They'll allow you to fund those accounts. You can swap, you can trade, you can interact with the market on the platform, but you cannot export it to a third-party wallet that you have full custody of. But what a lot of people don't even realize is that a lot of these exchanges also have holds even on crypto. So for example, if you have a lot of Solana and you want to send it to the exchange, swap it to ETH or WAX or any of the other cryptocurrencies, and then withdraw it to those particular wallets so that you can buy NFTs on those respective chains, a lot of people also don't factor in that even with the crypto, there is a hold. Why that is, I'm not exactly sure. However, they impose these same holes on the crypto. And in case you're wondering, well, why would someone go through that if they already have it off on their private wallet? Why would they send it back to the exchange in order to make that swap? Well, these bridges going from one chain to the other, not only are they a little bit technical, the average person that is into crypto at this point will have to watch YouTube videos and tutorials and read all sorts of things and And it could be a headache trying to do that, not to mention that the bridges are not the most secure thing. And a lot of these massive hacks that have happened over the years has happened because of bridges. Connecting two blockchains and trying to create this on-ramp, off-ramp, and usually these hackers go in, they examine the code, they find some sort of loophole, and end up siphoning some things. However, now this episode is not about bridges and all the safety concerns with bridges and what have you. They're good bridges, they're bad bridges. However, even Vitalik has his concerns about bridges. 
but that is another episode altogether. So someone sending crypto onto a centralized exchange to swap and then send out to whatever wallet on the other chains, well, yes, they're going to be subject to those holes as well. And if somebody doesn't necessarily know that on mint day, oh man, it could be a total disaster. Now, as the title of this episode suggests, don't let staking ruin your mint day. Here's the thing that a lot of people do not factor in. So as far as how to go around having these holes, what a lot of people such as myself do is keep an amount on the exchange in whatever coin that I just want to save in. Now, as what we've seen over the last several years when these exchanges go down, people lose their funds. This is not an option to store your life savings on one of these exchanges because they can all go bankrupt. So do not put any funds that you cannot afford to risk on them because at the end of the day, as we say in this whole space, is if it's not your keys, it is not your crypto. And when you have your funds stored on the centralized exchange, they have that key, they have that crypto, and it is a custodial wallet. It is not yours. In theory, you just have the rights to it. But if one of those companies go bankrupt, just like what happened with FTX, funds can get frozen. They can have an insolvency problem and they will stop all the withdrawals. In order to avoid some of these holes, what I do is I keep a few hundred dollars on the exchange. And when I say few, I mean literally a few. So if I want to go do some sort of swap or add some fiat currencies to get some more crypto and make a purchase, I'm hoping that those small funds that I have on the exchange will allow me to do that withdrawal. So what I'm saying is, let's just say I have $200 worth of any kind of token sitting on Binance or KuCoin, Coinbase, whatever it is. Well, when I add $100 worth of new crypto that I just funded using my debit card, ACH, or whatever payment process that I'm going to use, well, the $200 that I already had sitting on the exchange is technically what I'll be withdrawing, that balance. So although it might be stored in, let's say, Solana, and I want to buy and withdraw ETH, the way their account for that is that $100 balance is coming from the account while $200 was already in there, if that makes sense. So although I never touched those $200 of Solana that was originally on that platform, the way they're looking at it is total account balance. Those $200 have been in there for well past the hold period. So when I add new funds onto it, I'm able to withdraw it instantly because that value is already on the platform, if that makes sense. But here's the thing that some people might not take into account. If you have those funds staked, it might not count towards your account balance. So let's say you have $200 of Solana on a centralized exchange and you just added $100 in order to purchase some ETH and send it to your MetaMask. If you try to do that, it's going to say insufficient. You did not have that hold period for whatever it is, three, four, 14 days, whatever the exchange actually sets that limit for. And the reason is because while it's staked, it's technically not in your account. That balance is credited towards you and it might show up in your wallet totals and all of those things. However, in order to get that quote unquote instant withdrawal, you're going to need to unstake that crypto. That way it's actually added back to the account and allows you to send to your wallet and purchase your NFTs. But here's the kicker. There are different rules for the unstaking process. So for example, Certain tokens on certain exchanges might have no holding period as far as unstaking it. You can click unstake and instantly you'll have access to that crypto. Other exchanges or other tokens, even with on the same exchange, might have varying unstaking periods ranging from days or even longer in spe special situations. So it's always important to know exactly which tokens you're staking on what exchange and what their policies are, not overall, but for that specific token that you have staked. Because even though you're keeping that float, you might see the wallet balance and all the things checking off to say, yes, if I add X amount of dollars, well, I have double of that staked 
and showing as in your account, it will never tell you that if you ever try to withdraw new funds, you're going to be back at square one as if you had no funds in that account to begin with. So knowing all that stuff ahead of time, especially if you're an active minter, constantly minting and constantly sending funds in and out of the account, this is something to really pay attention to. So some tips to avoid any kind of headaches. Number one, do not fund your wallet on mint day. You never know what could happen. An exchange could go down. They could stop withdrawals. Funds could be frozen for whatever reason. And it might be something that's not a total disaster for either financial firm. For example, Binance once froze wax withdrawals because they just ran out of wax in the hot wallet, meaning the company and all the funds, everything was intact and safe and running properly. However, there was a massive drop that was happening. I forget exactly which NFT project it was. So there was a lot of people that were funding that day and sending off their wax to their wax wallets and they emptied the accounts of Binance. So it they needed some time to be able to get some more wax so that way they can sell it and exchange it. So number one, do not fund that wallet on the mint day. Number two, do not use a new exchange anywhere near the mint date because again, each exchange has its own policies, holding periods, what cryptocurrencies can go in and out, funding process, all that stuff. So if you're using a brand new exchange that you've never used before, you might be familiar with, let's say, all the rules on Binance, but for whatever reason, you decide to use Kraken and Kraken has a totally different set, you could find yourself into some problems. So number three, if time is a factor, and let's say you're within a two-day window or even the day of window, you're getting ready to mint and you don't have those funds already secure and you know that it can be moved off of an exchange or wherever, well, opt for one of those debit card payment options that goes straight to the wallet. It will be a little bit more expensive. However, at least you know that you can get that mint in. And these days, it's not like there's these hot mints where everything is selling out within a matter of hours. However, you never know. Something could drop. Something might have a very limited amount or a limited run. And you need to get that wallet funded today or else you're going to miss out. Well, do not send it to an exchange because it could very well get locked there if you're not familiar with all these things that I just mentioned. And number four, remember that there's instant unstaking for a lot of these. So if you did your homework, did all of your things ahead of time, have all your ducks lined up before you ever try to fund those accounts, you'll know which ones have instant unstaking. So if you do have funds staked, you can calculate to see what that dollar value is based on the crypto that you're trying to send out and see if it makes sense to instantly unstake and then send out, then restake. Now, all this stuff might sound complicated because I'm saying unstake, restake, all that. It is pretty straightforward and hopefully you're following all of this. If you have any questions, I know this might not be the best episode for someone that is totally new to listen to. This is sort of an advanced one. However, I did throw in some information as if this might be your first mint that you're heading into. But if you have any questions, need me to clarify anything, please feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter or using the contact information in the show notes. But definitely, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.